Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I, I can't remember uh, a time that I felt like we were sharing a message that's so important. And the message I'm going to share with you this morning is, is very, very vital to some. Because there's many here this morning that you've been coming to church and you've been going through the motions, but there's some things that have happened in your past, some things that have taken place in your development that have affected you. Now, I need you to understand that it's not things that you've done that have been your fault either. I think that's the hardest thing to deal with when you've been hurt or crippled or wounded by someone and it wasn't your fault. I I think we're pretty mature enough to be able to recognize when we've done something that is our fault, right? And we're paying the consequences for that. I'm all right with paying consequences for things I've done. I I can deal with that. I'm all right with taking responsibility and recognizing when I blow it. When I'm speeding and I get a ticket, you know, I may not like it, but I I can understand when I have to pay the fine. I, I didn't go to school and all that stuff. What what bothers me is when I end up getting affected by someone else. And I'm having to pay a price for something else someone else did to me. And I'm still carrying those issues around today. And yet those things happened years ago. I'm taking you somewhere this morning. And so if you turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, when Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, this has been our launching pad, all, all series is that when Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, he tells them in verse 9, like this, our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. You know, that, that there's a couple things I want you to understand. First of all, God's first introduction, Jesus' first introduction of God to us is as a Father, not as God. That God is showing that he wants relationship with us. That God isn't some God that's so far out there, but God wants to be our Father. He wants to have intimacy with us. Secondly, I want you to notice, he says, reveal who you are. That means that there's parts of God that are covered. That not everything of God is out there. And if you want to find out more about God, you got to go deeper in the revelation of who God is. Somebody say amen. And so he says this, reveal who you are, set the world right. Everyone say that with me. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As you're seated, if you're looking at your Bible and you're saying, Pastor Dan, it doesn't say that in my Bible. I'm reading out of the message version. Okay, and the message version is a little more, uh, for, for those of you that have your Bibles, King James, New King James, New Living Translation, it probably says something like, uh, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to understand that Jesus is implying that there's something wrong with the world. When he says set the world right, he's implying that there's some things wrong in the world today. And I'm not going to take time because I preached this earlier, but there's things that we, we would agree that are out of place in our world today. Amen. But not only is Jesus implying that there's something wrong with the world, he's implying that we can do something about it. Somebody say amen. 
God is implying that we have the ability to fix what's wrong in the world. And how do we do that? By asking God to reveal himself and then us putting things right based on who he reveals himself to be. Oh, come on, somebody. That was a good point right there. And so I want you to understand that Jesus is not only implying there's something wrong with the world, but that we have the ability to do something about it. And although we live in a broken world with broken people, we have the ability to put people back together again. Now, I want you to notice this. Look with me in Luke chapter 4. You don't have to turn there, but on the screen. It says, unrolling the scroll, talking about Jesus after he goes through his 40 days of fasting and after going through the temptation period with Satan, he steps out and unrolling the scroll, he goes to the temple and he found the place where it was written, God's spirit is upon me because he has chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, sent me to announce pardon to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burden and the battered free and to announce this is God's year to act. I'm here to tell someone this morning that this is God's year to act on your behalf. On Act on behalf of your marriage. Act on behalf of your finances. Act on behalf of your addiction. Act on behalf of your sickness. That God's year to act is this year. I don't know about you. I don't want to go through another year of the mess I went through last year. I don't want to go through another year of struggling with the same depression. I don't want to go through another year struggling with the same addiction. This is God's year to act. Somebody got to grab a hold of that word this morning. Jesus became the remedy to all the world's issues. He became the remedy to every illness, the answer to every question, and the solution to every problem. I want you to know this simple thing, that when Andre Crouch wrote that song, he said, Jesus is the answer for the world today. No matter what the question is, Jesus is still the answer. Whatever you're going through, the answer is Jesus. He has the ability to do things that you, would, you don't even understand. And what Jesus was saying when he read that scripture, stay with me, I'm going somewhere. I'm about to take you somewhere. Jesus was simply saying this, I'm anointed to act. Anointing isn't to show off in the church. And we always hear the word anointed after someone sings a song. Oh man, Troy, you're anointed. Troy has an anointed voice. Don't, don't you agree? Doesn't Troy have an amazing voice? We, we, we say, man, that guy's anointed. But if that anointing only operates inside the four walls of this building, that's not anointing. Anointing's no good to use just inside the church. The anointing that you use is that when you go to work and you give a business presentation, when you stand before your kids and you teach and you instruct and they're able to go from point A to point B, that they learn something, it's because you have an anointing to take the gifts and the talents that God gave you and be able to share them with the world and set some things right. That's what God gave you an anointing to do. Gary, you have an anointing to fix air conditioning systems. That's an anointing. That's a gift. Other people would look at it and not have a clue where the wires go. What's this? How does it work? But to you, it's second nature. You have that ability. You have the ability to run crews. It's one thing, you know, working with Caltrans and dealing with all these people. Brother Jack, you have the ability to work with these guys, to make things. You know how to tell them how to hold a shovel. Have 12 guys working on one place. 
11 watching and one working. Holding up traffic. But you got an anointing to do it, brother. I want to talk to you about anointed to act about a man by the name of King David. I'll tell you a story about a man by the name of King David that 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. David had a good friend by the name of Jonathan. The problem is Jonathan was his best friend. Jonathan was the prince. He was next in line to his throne because uh, Jonathan's dad was King Saul. King Saul was the king of Israel. He had a son by the name of Jonathan, and Jonathan and David were tight. The problem is David was just anointed king too. And David had an anointing on his life to be king and take over the throne of Jonathan's father, Saul. And yet they had such a relationship that King Saul is trying to kill Jonathan, his son's best friend. And yet somehow they develop this connection with one another that they say this. Listen, if anything ever happens to you, I'll take care of your generations. And if anything happens to me, you take care of my generations. See, when God calls a man, he doesn't just call a man. He calls a seed inside him. It's not about you. It's about the generations inside you. Now, now follow me on this. King Saul ends up dying in battle. Him and his son, Jonathan, are killed. Now, in those days, whenever one regime was ended, a new king stepping in would look for all the descendants of the king and kill them. Because they didn't want anyone that had royal blood and had right to the throne to come up and take their position. So you got rid of everyone. During this time, Jonathan has a son. Before he dies, he has a son by the name of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, the child that he has... When his, his, his servant or his caretaker was watching over him, hears that Saul and Jonathan are dead, they freak out. And they pick up this young child and they take off running because they're trying to save his life. I want you to know that sometimes people that care about us out of fear end up hurting us. And she picks up young Mephibosheth and the, the boy that she's been called to protect. And while she's running with him, she trips. And she falls on top of this five-year-old kid, breaking both his legs. It's bad enough to go through a fall, but it's harder when the fall is not your fault. Some of you are experiencing the pain of someone else's fall. You're going through a fall. You're going through the struggle. And the problem is this, is that not only was she there to care for him, some of you had parents, some of you had a father, an uncle, or someone in your life that was supposed to care for you when they hurt you. And you're carrying the scars of that fall all your life. And I need you to know it wasn't your fault. You need to hear me told you there was a healing anointing and you need to hear me this morning that it was not your fault and yet because of the fall of someone else it's affected you and here Mephibosheth at five years old now has two broken legs but in their haste to get going she doesn't have time to set his legs set the wounds you see whenever you don't set a wound correctly 
It doesn't have the ability to heal right. That's why some of you are so bitter. Let me try this side. That's why some of us are so bitter because it never, we don't, no one ever took time to set the wound that you went through. And we're wondering, why, why do I feel, I never, I never used to be this way. I used to be very happy. I used to be very, very joyful. But now I find myself being cynical. Instead of being joyful, I find myself always crying. And I'm wondering what's going on because there's some wounds that you have that were never set. But it's not your fault. It wasn't your fault the fall took place. Now, now listen, there's some falls that are your fault. And y'all got to stop blaming other people for them falls. You know, when you get three or four girls pregnant, you didn't make a mistake. You just got a sex addiction. You got some issues. You can't blame, blame someone else for your issues. But there's some issues that we go through that aren't our fault. That we're carrying those things. I'm talking about those people right now, all right? I'll get to y'all that are continuing to make mistakes later, okay? So stay with me. Don't worry. There's something in it for you too, all right? So I want you to notice what happens. King David is now, and in, in, in Mephibosheth is gone. He's grown up, and he's gone. David says this. One day, verse 9 of chapter 1, or chapter 9, verse 1 of uh, 2 Samuel. One day David asked, is there anyone in Saul's family that is still alive, anyone that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake. The king. He says, is there anyone left that I could show kindness to? And, and, and I want you to notice here in verse the, the next verse 3, the king then asked him, talking to one of the servants, is there anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. And Ziba replied, one of the servants... One of Saul's servants, <coughs> excuse me, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. King, there is one, but he's damaged goods. Some of us that feel like we're damaged goods, that God can do nothing with us because of the crippling that we've gone through. We can only go so far, but we're, we're living in this crippled condition. And I want you to understand that, that Mephibosheth, his name means break in pieces or to shatter. And I, I want you to notice what happens. Verse 4, Look at he says, well, where is he? And Ziba responds and he says, he is in low Debar. Everyone say low Debar. Low Debar, low, low Debar is a powerful place because low Debar means... No word, no communication, no pasture. Nothing grows there. He's gone from the palace to a place of desolation. A place where he used to sit in the, in the palace, in the, in, the, in the throne room of the king. Used to play and make a playground of the throne room. And now he has been relegated from the palace and he's been exiled out to the pasture. He can't walk anymore. He can't get along and he has to rely on other people to take care of him. There's some of you that you can't even, you can't even operate anymore. You need people to watch over you constantly. 
We don't know what it is to be clean for a week, much less a day. Low to bar, no communication, no pastor. He, he's in a place, and then, then something happens. King David sends for him. Now, now, we know what David's intentions are because we know the end of the story. We're, we're reading it right now. But this young boy is on the run. All his life he knew that every time he looks down and he sees his legs and pieces, he looks down and it's a reminder, I'm crippled because I'm on the run from the king. There's many of you today that when you hear that God is beckoning you and that God is calling you, that God is loving you, and that you hear that God is going after you, it brings fear rather than hope. Because you think that God is after you to destroy you and not after to restore you. David sends for him and imagine Mephibosheth's fear. Imagine this little boy, Chach, as he's sitting there in this little wooden shack. His leg. And as he sits there, he's all of a sudden, he begins to feel the ground under him shake. The whole ground begins to shake, and he's wondering what's going on. And he grabs his crutches, and he moves his way up over to the window of this little wooden shack, and he looks out and he sees a cloud of dust in the horizon. And he could see and tell that these are war horses making their way towards him. He finally realizes that today is the day that the king is finally going to take him out. They finally found him. They know where I'm at. And he, he moves away from the wall and he goes up to the corner of this little wooden shack as he sits there and waits as the rumbling gets louder and louder and the dust gets bigger and bigger, and he can hear now the huffing and the puffing of these war horses pulling up. Light coming in through the little panes of each little piece of wood of this shack. He hears the sound of a man getting off the horse and yelling something to the other soldiers. And as he's walking in front of the house, Slap by slap, he breaks the light that was coming through. This image stops at the front door. And as the door opens up, the light fills the room, dust fills the room until this man breaks the light with a big image of a soldier standing there, one of David's mighty men. Looks around and scans this little piece of property, this little shack. And he sees this man huddled in the corner and knows that that is Mephibosheth. And he walks over to him and Mephibosheth knows this is the end. And the soldier says, the king sent me to come get you. What's he want with me? I don't know. He sent me to come get you. I'm here to tell you, the king sent me to come get you. 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 I'm here to come get you. And you can imagine these arms walking in and this man picking up this frail body, 
takes him outside and he sees all these warriors sitting there and they lay him on top of a horse and they begin to ride back. Vivi, if you would help me. And as they're riding back, I want you to notice that the that this young boy who has been in Lodabar all his life since that time, as they begin to get closer and closer to the city of Jerusalem, he starts seeing things and his mind starts kicking back. And it's like a flashback. He, he sees something that reminds him of when he was raised in this city. He walks and they drive up and they walk, come riding up to the palace and he's, the, the drawbridge is familiar. He remembers running on that bridge as a child. And as they begin to come in, the soldier picks him up and carries him into the throne room. The very throne room where his grandfather once served. The throne room where he sat on the king's lap. The throne room where he heard the king speak. Come on, somebody. The throne room where the king's judgments were given. Where inheritance was his. And he's laid down at the feet of King David. Look at verse 7. King David tells him, don't be afraid. Why would he tell him, don't be afraid? Because you know he was scared to death right now. And the king could tell that he was fearful and I want you to know that when you come into the presence of God, you don't have to be afraid. He's come to love you. He's come to, he's come to restore you. Look, look, check this out. This is so powerful. Help a brother out, man. Help a brother out. I intend to show kindness to you. Because of my promise to your father, Jonathan, I want you to know you're going to be blessed not because of what you've done, but because of your father. Some of you should be excited. You should be clapping. You should be declaring. Why? Because you're not going to get what you deserve. You're going to get what your father has already paid the price for you. He says, I will give you all. Somebody say all. all. Somebody say all. all. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul. In other words, you have an inheritance that belongs to you that someone took. And I'm going to give it all back to you today. This brother went from a pauper to one of the richest men in the city, in the kingdom. Check this out. We ain't done yet. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. All your need, you're, you're gonna, I got you covered, man. I got your back, homie. I got your back. Your back has got me. Mephibosheth, you ain't got to worry about a thing because the king's going to take care of you. Some of y'all need to hear me this morning. The king's going to take care of you. Some of you need to know that the king is going to take care of you. You need to know that the king is going to take care of you. I said, you need to know that the king is going to take care of you. You need to know that the king is going to supply all your needs at his table. <coughs> Sit down, check this out. 
I want you to notice what he does here. Look at verse 9, or verse 8. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Thank you. This is what I've been waiting for all my life. Praise God. I got everything back. What's your servant? Who is your servant that you would show such kindness to a dead dog like me? You got to hear me right now. This is probably the most important part of this message. It's not that God doesn't want to give you blessing. It's just that you have such a low self-esteem of who you are that you've forgotten that you were born in royalty. You have lived in Lodabar so long that you think that's the way a marriage is supposed to be. No word, no communication, no growth. You think your family, that's the way it's supposed to be. No word, no communication, no growth. You've been operating in your finances in Lodabar so long. You think no communication, no word, no growth. But I got news for you that you were born as royalty. You were born with the silver spoon in your mouth. You have royal blood flowing through your veins. You are the son of a king. You are royalty. Sit down. I want you to understand the first thing that God gave to mankind before he gave him a job, before he gave him a place to stay, and before he gave him a wife, the first thing he gave man was his image. Say it again, Pastor. The first thing that God gave to man before he gave him a job, a place to live, or a wife, God gave you first his image. Genesis 1.26, let us make mankind in our image. You were created in the image and the likeness of God. You know what? I got, I got news for you. You have the DNA of God flowing through your veins. <laughs> Conquering is not what you do. It's who you are. It's in you. Mephibosheth, you're like, well, he's not here, Pastor. Yes, he is. Mephibosheth means shattered or broken. We got a lot of shattered and broken people here this morning. So whatever your name is, Joe, Billy, Bob, or, or, or Juanito, you, if you are broken, are Mephibosheth this morning. And Mephibosheth, you got to remember that you are royalty. This is what I love the most about the story. Picture with me dinner time at the palace. King David is sitting there and the table is set. And they got some of the best food there going on. They got Puerto Rican food happening there. They got a little Mexican food. They got the barbecue going on, a little Tex-Mex happening. 
got a little Italian. You know, they got it all because it's King's Palace. They just got some food for two face. Little Red Robin happening for Pastor Matt. Bonsai <laughs> burger. Little Brazilian steakhouse for Pastor Ant. Little Roost Chris for me. Take that too. But it's dinner time, and I, I want you to capture this picture as Tamar comes walking in, and David's ready, ready to eat, and he's like, where is everyone? Come on, let's eat. Table's here, and Tamar comes walking in. She's like, Dad, I'm sorry I'm late. I've been looking for my brush, and I can't find it anywhere. It's like the fourth one I've lost this week, and I don't know what's going on. She goes, well, babe, just sit down. It's time to eat. And a few minutes later, you see Absalom walking in. The Bible says Absalom had beautiful long hair, one of his sons. She's like, that's my brush. I've been looking for my brush everywhere. You're the one that took it. She said, don't worry about it. I'll get you another one. He's like, you know what? You guys stop fighting. Absalom, sit down. It's time to eat. And where's your brother at? I'm starving. Let's get to eating here. He goes, I don't know. I saw him down the, at the library a little while ago. Dad, he should be on his way. And all of a sudden, a young man walks into the dining room with his glasses. says, Dad, it's just amazing what, what we find in these books. It's just amazing. I just can't put these books down. Solomon, put the books down and just sit down so we could eat. And so the whole family is gathered around the table. The 30 top warriors of David are sitting at the table and they're getting ready to eat. And David says, stop. We're waiting for one. And down the corridors of the hallway of the castle, you hear. And it gets louder. Until an image makes its way into the doorway of the dining room. And it's Mephibosheth with his crutches making his way to the king's table. Oh, you're, 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 you're going to catch something in a moment here. Get ready. Puts his crutches down and he pulls himself. You know, let me stay in your, your chair here real quick, okay? He makes his way up and he and he sits down here, slides in, and he sits down at the table. And when he gets there, King David says, now we can eat. Because everyone is at the table now. But you know what's so cool about that? Is that when I'm sitting at the king's table, when I, when I sit down at the king's table, I said, when I sit down, at the king's table. When, when I sit down, at, I want you to notice something. That when I sit down at the table of God, when I sit down at any table, I pull myself up to the table. You can't see my feet when I'm sitting at the table because the table is covering my defect. It's covering my insecurity. It's covering my sickness. It's covering me. When we're at the table of God, we are all equal. Oh, somebody get up and shout praise unto God this morning. Hallelujah. 
That's why it's so important when we get to the table. Because your defects are covered at the table of God. Your addiction is covered at the table. Your sickness is covered at the table. You know what? That divorce is covered at the table. That depression is covered at the table. That struggle is covered at the table. At the table of God, we're all equal. You can't see my defect. Would you all stand to your feet with me this morning as we close? Prayer team, if you would help me. Found the key of getting rid of this cough. Just yell. This is the most important part. I told you there was an anointing of healing here. And all I've done right now is raise your faith. That God's not here to destroy you. He's here to restore you. And some things that have happened to you, you thought that you were going to go through life crippled. You know the great thing about when Jesus came? He healed lame men. It was to the point where even Peter was raising lame men up. Not layman, lame men. So if you're lame today, I'm here to tell you that God could raise you up this morning. No matter what someone's done to you, you could be raised up this morning. God's here to restore you. And some of you have gone through a fall. That's not your fault. Now, for those of you that it was your fault, God can restore you too. Great news. your heads with me right now. Very quick. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.